Hello, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Energy Markets podcast. It is the 5th of December, and we have Brent crude oil trading below $80 a barrel, uh, closer to $78 a barrel uh, this morning. Uh, this was big news overnight, a big interview yesterday with the uh, Saudi energy minister with Bloomberg, which was itself uh, early news because they of course, Bloomberg and Reuters and amongst others were barred from accessing the OPEC meetings in recent times, I think for most of the last six or eight months. Uh, and so that in itself seemed uh, early news that uh, OPEC uh, plus had relented to allow uh, those news organizations back at the table and indeed gave them the big interview. Let's welcome this morning Ahmed Mehdi, Managing Director, Renaissance Energy Advisors and Visiting Fellow. Uh, the Oxford Institute for Energy Studies. Uh, I would suspect he's probably been to about 100 OPEC meetings. Uh, Ahmed, your thoughts on the interview with the Saudi energy minister overnight, if indeed uh, there was uh, significant news there. Uh, clearly, he feels they've done enough to balance, tighten up the market in the first quarter, which ultimately seems to be their goal. Your thoughts on the decision last week and the minister's interview yesterday. Uh, thanks, Sean. Uh, good morning. Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think that there was a view that perhaps the OPEC meeting um, was what was priced in, was a rollover of the, um, the voluntary cut from Saudi. Um, perhaps what was more of a mixed message was the um ascription of the of 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 the invitation for other members the extra 900 kbd that would be on a voluntary basis and i think that the news and the reaction in terms of the messaging perhaps was a little bit more mixed um uh particularly given the fact that the market will be watching for the compliance to that extra volume um in particular since it comes from uh, countries where there has been a weakening um, of, of that compliance, particularly um, if you look at Iraq, uh, Russia, um, and also the um, to, a, to a lesser extent, there is a question mark around uh, the UAE as well. But I think fundamentally, um, you still have a significant cut on the books, which will help to address the concerns around the stock build in, in the first quarter. And naturally, the Saudi oil minister um, in talking about the potential for an extension beyond Q1 was to allay those anxieties. However, I think that this is also taking place against a backdrop of what's happening in the in in, in the in the in the managed money market. So futures positioning um, question marks also in the macro side of things in terms of. Uh, perhaps a um, perhaps markets getting ahead of themselves in terms of pricing in rate cuts. So the Fed is still a central actor in terms of where uh, oil price direction is moving. Um, but fundamentally, um, as I mentioned, the the the, the signalling was perhaps um, not the best of <laughs> outcomes for OPEC. And says the uh, diplomatic consultant who works in the Middle East. Noor Aslan Ahmed, editor of Crude Oil Argus Media. 
Uh, your thoughts on the decision last week and the interview with the Saudi energy minister yesterday, he went uh, through a lot of the detail in trying to explain the, uh, or trying to give, I suppose, credibility to the Russian uh, cut. Uh, and, and they met with all of the shipping agents and everybody was in the room and they did it three times. And I mean, it was very detailed in explaining particularly Russia's, uh, uh, the robustness, uh, at least as he would like to see it, we should all uh, be convinced that Russia is seriously participating. Your thoughts on the meeting last week, it wasn't a meeting, it was an announcement. The meeting was two weeks before, uh, or over two weeks, trying to come to a, a decision, which they finally did. Your thoughts on, on all of those pieces of the puzzle and what they mean to us now? Okay, so uh, on the Russian bit, right, uh, I think that Russia, based on our uh, tracking, Russia has actually reduced uh, its exports. I think with Russia, the uncertainty or the concern is that initially, if you remember, they said that they were going to cut production. And then after that, later, they said they were going to cut exports. And after that, they said they were going to cut oil exports and not specifically crude exports. So I think that flip-flop, if you can say, is the thing that is probably um, causing some concern <clears throat> in the market uh, of Russia's commitment um, to this uh, output cuts because... Um, how do you measure if it's just oil exports? How much of it is crude? You know, and they've banned, uh, or they've already banned some of the uh, products exports. So I think that is the main thing when it comes to Russia that is a bit uncertain because um, it's hard to measure and you will only see it in retrospective, right? But I think that there has been reductions in the Russian crude exports may not have been as much as 500,000 barrels as they initially pledged. Um, in terms of the whole OPEC plus cuts, uh, I mean, we see the amount, which total is about, what, 2.2 million barrels, uh, including the pledge by Russia and, and Saudi Arabia, is substantial. And I think that it's just a fact, as I might say, that it was voluntary cuts and each country announcing its own. That was just a little bit of a... It spooked the market a little bit because they didn't feel that there was this cohesion or this alliance by an OPEC plus, right? And that created I suppose the, the, yeah. it was a kind of a it was kind of a the king has no clothes moment when the minister said, well these are all voluntary cuts anyway. There's nothing yes. compulsory about this OPEC plus that has been existing for six years now and propping well, up the whole market. But actually they're just voluntary and it's kind of but, I I touched the first thing that struck me, oh wow, there's no real commitment here. But, but you have to also remember that in April, it was voluntary cuts as well, and they delivered, right? These have been, all, I mean, the point ultimately is that OPEC plus everything about it is voluntary because there's nothing yes. treaty about it. They're yes. not members of OPEC. There's no, you know, there's no policeman coming to, you know, knock on your door if you uh, don't pay your parking ticket. Uh, all of the weakness element of this arrangement, I suppose, become exposed at times like this. And perhaps why that's why the market isn't responding. But we do think that, I mean, from our view, from our consulting view, we're, we're, sort of, we're very positive that it will be delivered. And our view is that if they hadn't announced this cut, in the first quarter, we would have seen, our view is that 
uh, a surplus of about 850,000 barrels per day, okay, if the cuts and if these cuts are delivered as promised, then we would, uh, the surplus would be gone. Yeah. The only thing, the caveat is that from our consultants' uh, view is that the cuts cannot stop in the first quarter. Yeah. That if it's yes, okay. Well, and I, I suppose I suppose you have to see really where the, the the credibility of the cuts are because of course Saudi Arabia doesn't want to keep continuing on a on a on a road in which they're you know rowing both sides of the boat. Uh, let's welcome Mehmet Aguchu, Group CEO, Global Resources Partnership Chairman, London Energy Club. Mehmet, there's much uh, things to look at today, and, and and I wanted to get your thoughts on the other news, which may not have immediate impact for the markets, but certainly could have, and that is the growing noise around the the lack of funding or the perhaps the collapse of funding from Washington to Kiev to sustain its war footing in the war against Russia. Your thoughts on the developments there, it's something the Republicans have brought with them into their House majority. Now it seems to be consolidating as the Biden administration struggles to get new funding. Your thoughts on that, its relevance, and what it means, how it's going to follow through? Mehmet? Do we have Mehmet? I cannot hear him. Uh... No, no, no. Okay, uh, I'll move back to Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed, your thoughts on that point? Ultimately, the Saudi minister was very confident, and it was sort of amongst the, the, the sort of different headlines that one might have taken away from the interview, was that um, uh, he was confident that this cut announced last week would uh override the stock bill, the seasonal stock bill in the first quarter, just mentioned there by Noor. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, so as I said, um, just 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 one more point I um, was going to mention from the previous, uh, which is connected to this. I think what will be interesting to watch this week, um, I'm not sure if it's out, maybe Noor can, sorry if Aslin can mention, uh, uh, disclose that, but I think seeing what the Aramco OSPs will be this week will be interesting as well. I think that uh, the market expectation is maybe 90 cents to a dollar increase, uh, uh, sorry, uh, reduction. But um, if there is any um, change to that, that could also feed into um, uh, flat price direction as well. So I think that's that's one indicator to watch. I think the, the bigger issue in terms of your question is also the call on OPEC plus throughout next year. And there's been some revision to non-OPEC supply. Um, but naturally, there's always seasonal weakness in the first quarter. And that's why perhaps there's, you know, it's not terrible for OPEC plus because at the end of the day, this is, you know, the Saudis continuing to support the market, but the invitation for the voluntary, I think that the way, the way I would read this is, is that the Saudi are holding that one million voluntary cut in their back pocket, and effectively that should be an inducement to other producers to say, "Look." I mean, know. it did feel like the underlying comment, you know, the sort of undertone of his commentary at the at the interview at Ope, or with Bloomberg was, you know, we're not going to carry this bucket by ourselves yes, exactly. anymore, and, exactly. I, and so, I think that was kind of the punctuated point. You're right. So the burden sharing. Um, also, if you think about it, for for some players like the UAE, they were given in any case 
a, I think it's around about 200 KBD uh, increase um, as part of that uh, that that reference production um, uh, level a revision from the last meeting la uh, earlier this year. So this is more of a, a, a sort of a temporary issue. The, the issue is, I think, to, to a certain extent, is that there's two ways of looking at this. On the one hand, uh, the the speculators in the market perhaps sometimes may read OPEC cuts as a sign of weakness in terms. Um, and on the other hand, um, there is this issue of compliance. And I think it's been lurking in the background the last few months. And effectively, the reaction of the market is, um, we'll see it when we believe it. Um, you know, we'll, sorry, we'll believe it when we see it. Um, so, so to a certain extent, um, I think I think that that's perhaps where you know we we're going to have to just wait a bit longer for for that price reaction. Also, December time, you know, people are closing their books. You know, so to set so to a certain extent, there's a little bit of a, a drop in the open interest. Um, so you know, to a certain extent, it's not it's not doom and gloom for OPEC, but certainly. I think I think my view was that the uh, the messaging could have been um, perhaps more crystal uh, crystallized. There was no press conference. Well, perhaps example. that's why they opened the doors again to the the big news agencies. Maybe and, could be. Uh, you know that uh, some real. I mean, that was one of the questions that the reporter asked, which I thought was uh, was uh, you know a sensible enough question to 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 ask, uh, uh, given you know trying to identify. Uh, but I would I would suspect all in all that uh, you know if they got through the winter with an average on Brent of seventy eight to eighty dollars a barrel, uh, they'd probably be uh, pretty happy. I would think. I, I doubt that um, that would be uh, too you know that wouldn't be a bad price. Noor Aslan, of course, much of this depends on the forever. Where is China going uh, and the China tea leaves, if you like? Uh, sitting in Singapore with a front row seat to uh, the performance of the Chinese economy every week. It seems to be sort of one step forward, two steps back uh, as we move into the new year and the, obviously the, the, the new year, the Chinese New Year holiday, which typically is a demand surge window for the annual cycle. Uh, winter in China, surge in annual demand uh, for energy. Uh, your thoughts of where is China going into this new year 2024? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, to be honest, um, I think in the recently in the last uh, month, we've actually revised our uh, demand forecast for China's growth a little bit higher. Um, right now, um, the Argus Consulting team has putting um, China's uh, oil demand growth in twenty twenty four at about four hundred and twenty to four hundred fifty thousand barrels per day. That's a bit higher than what we had uh, roughly about a month ago, I think, when we were predicting a growth of about closer to three to three ten thousand barrels per day. So it's a little bit higher. Your but it compares with this year, right? When um growth is about what, one point two million barrels per day, although it's coming from the COVID uh, down downside. So I think that you're totally right. We do think that um, at the start of the year uh, there will be that surge of demand just before Chinese New Year, which was in February. Um, at the same time, at this point, we do see that in terms of the crude runs um, in November, they did dip. And we think that in December, it's going to be a little bit under pressure. It'll still be a bit low. It can go up a little bit in January. But the high record high food runs that we saw, I think, around August, September, it's easing off. 
So there's still a bit of uncertainty. And, you know, so, so, so that's a bit of a concern. But I think that there's going to be that seasonal jump in demand just before Chinese New Year is true. Ahmed, looking at the slightly wider, we were here in Dubai uh, at COP28, uh, and one of the headlines that came out yesterday in all of the noise is that the U.S. Uh, is now not only the world's largest oil producer, but it's the world's largest LNG uh, producer and exporter, surpassing Qatar. And at the same token, they're claiming the mantle of being, you know, all things uh, energy transition and climate sensitive. Uh, but the point, putting aside the COP and climate narrative, but just the point that the U.S. has expanded oil production so significantly this year uh, mm -hmm. with other Iran and elsewhere, can OPEC chase this down with more cuts or at some point do they have to just surrender uh, 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 and, and not give up market share? Where do I mean, it's the perennial sort of uh, fine line, but clearly this is another moment. We've seen this show before 10 years ago. They tried to chase it down and uh, shale just grew and grew and grew. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I think just to connect the, the conversation with Aslin's uh, point earlier, you know, to a certain extent, it's uh, it's a it's a bit of a double normalization for next year on crude and products, right? So, uh, product cracks will probably ease because of new refining capacity. Likewise, with crude, um, you know, we're, we're we're talking about China having you know almost uh, the post-COVID you know sort of uh, recovery having done its course, and now it's um, uh, now now it's really actually we're talking about the range of uncertainty next year on um, Chinese demand is perhaps less uncertain than it was perhaps for this year, where the, the, the range was a lot wider. Um, nevertheless, you know, it, it depends upon your traditional uh, S&D balance metrics, you know, the, the demand for next year, um, you know, the range, you know, we're, we're talking about perhaps, um, you know, between one to 1 1.5 million barrels a day of growth. But probably, you know, perhaps more on on the lower side than um, rather than the higher side. When it comes to non-OPEC supply, I think what has been interesting has been the uh, the view of the U.S. I think in the beginning of the year we had, um, I think there, I think there was a bit of a the market was a bit surprised with the latest data coming from the U.S. in terms of production growth, and that fed into um market sentiment in the in the in, in you know this quarter um and not and only there that... but of course the the year in which we end iran has added uh, close to a million of exports and uh, guiana and, and venezuela yeah I, mean, I would say that with iran for example the it's more sensitive to the chinese buying cycle rather than u.s policy i think that um certainly for the sources of non-opec supply growth next year yes for sure we're talking about um us guyana brazil um regardless of the discussion around brazil and opec um the invitation i think that you know we're still talking about the uh, sources of non opec supply growth um covering that you know that demand growth next year so as aslin said in the very beginning the and and even before the opec meeting you know the market was basically saying look the call on OPEC for next year is going to be, you know, the, there's going to be more legwork that will have to be done by Saudi. And I think that what what has been cobbled together will, you know, continue to be a theme into the first quarter. And, and likely there will be 
the potential for for cuts to be extended, which is probably what triggered um, Abdulaziz's comments um, in terms of uh, allaying anxieties in the market that these will you know continue if necessary. Um, so certainly, well, that's we're always talking the about case, the isn't first... it? I mean, mm. I mean, it's all that's the perennial. We can do more if I mean that's that that's no 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 new thing. I think the big question going into the new year now is. The fragility of OPEC plus ultimately uh, seems to be uh, why, uh, you know, obviously going into a weaker demand cycle. Let's go to the survey question and then come back and uh, talk a little bit about geopolitics. Uh, the, the survey question this morning, uh, looking at this point, the Saudi energy minister said OPEC plus oil supply cuts agreed last week should be enough to offset the increase in global oil inventories during Q1 2024. Uh, agree or disagree with that view that the OPEC plus cuts should be enough? I suppose a lot depends on whether you believe all those cuts will be implemented or not. And obviously he does, uh, and with good reason, because they've proven themselves in the past. But will that indeed continue to be the case? Uh, will this be enough uh, to to continue to uh, to um, to achieve that, and, 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 and at the same token, uh, you know the whether demand uh, meets uh, the the answer, or whether demand um, uh, you know doesn't continue to decline. Uh, I want to Nuraslan to look at uh, the uh, Mehmed. Unfortunately, his Wi-Fi has. Uh, uh, fallen this morning at this the, the wrong moment. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, I mean, we have a situation today, the markets are looking at, we've got what could be a war between Venezuela and Guyana. I mean, there's a historical land claim to literally half of Guyana, which you know most of the world wasn't even aware of, but apparently is d- deeply historical and, and and passionately felt by all sides of the political spectrum of of Venezuela, both the government and the opposition. So there's no there's no crack in the in, in, in there between those two that the uh, U.S. or the others could sort of exploit. Um, uh, we've got the, the 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 growing challenge. We've got Zelensky speaking to the House of Congress today, the senators trying to get them to convince them to release the next wave of money, and if without it, the, their ability to continue to fight the war in Russia, and the and inevitably the ongoing tragedies of Israel's invasion of Gaza. None of these big, what you would consider for energy markets, uh, big polit- geopolitical uncertainties are having any impact on the oil market, you know, as they call it, the geopolitical premium. Your thoughts on why is the market being a bit complacent here? Uh, your thoughts on, on all of those different geopolitical fractures that the world is currently facing and their intersection with the oil markets going into the new year? Yeah, um, I, can, uh, I, I think that with uh, um, Hamas, Israel and uh, with um, Ukraine, the one thing is that with uh, Ukraine, I think that um, the market has really come to accept and de- dealt with it, uh, you know, and, and the market has settled down because it, um, and with Israel, Hamas, neither is uh, producing. And I think that the fear right now that that conflict would pull in um, other Middle East producers, that seems to have receded. And I think that's why the market is. Now, the Venezuela, Guyana, to me, um, is a concern. But because they're both producers, but 
I think just from my point of view, I'm not a polit political um, expert, but my point of view is that Venezuela has just uh, managed to uh, get U.S. sanctions at least temporarily lifted. And Guyana is trying to, uh, you know, continue to export. I mean, it is still a fairly new crude oil exporter. I'm not sure that either country, um, in terms of the revenues, would really want to jeopardize that. But, okay, I I'm talking purely from an economic point of view. Yeah, I'm not sure of course. Yet. Yes, I I anything can happen. But it's just yeah. the way I see it between Guyana and, and, and Venezuela. is like, do you really want to jeopardize something that they are both trying to build in terms of their oil exports? I mean, ultimately, but, yeah. I think the oil markets are probably going, well, there's at least 5 million barrels of idle yep. supply around. There would have to be some major disaster in these different theaters for there to be a consequence of significance uh, for the oil markets going into so, the the weaker window of the year and the first quarter. Akbar, your thoughts on that? And, and just adding a layer that uh, there's news today that the Russian president, Putin, is going to be visiting uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, and the UAE in the coming days, uh, which in itself is relatively big news, given that he's barely left Russia since the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, I think one or two trips to China, uh, but coming to 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 Saudi and the UAE at this moment, when all of these different sort of geopolitical issues are in play, what is what's your reading of that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um... I mean, I would say that naturally, as you know, Sean, I mean, you know, be, being being in Dubai, um, uh, you know, over the since since the Ukraine invasion, Dubai has become or the UAE at least has become uh, an important um, part of the uh, Russian oil supply chain, um, not just crude, actually, for products as well in terms of uh, uh, re-exports as well. Um, geopolitically, I mean, you know, despite all of those discussion points we've had previously about the the optic challenge for OPEC, um, uh, you know, Saudi needs Russia, Russia needs Saudi. That's the long term view um, of of you know, despite all of the uh, knee jerk headlines around um, uh, any any fray in in their relationship. You know, that's the fu fundamentally for, for the long term. They 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 need each other as part of that, uh, not only for geopolitical purposes but also for uh, market positioning purposes, particularly uh, over the you know uh, over the long uh, long term. Um, in terms of the uh, geopolitical backdrop, um, there's also, uh, I suppose, the issue of in terms of how the Middle East has always been dealing as well with um, the uh, you know the, the the loss of a kind you know basically the development of, of of a sort of vacuum. Um, and how there's been geopolitical rivalry in the region, particularly around Russia trying to assert itself in the region and how the Ukraine conflict has changed or not changed that. And I think that that's certainly, um, you know, for, for Russia, the Middle East is, is, a, is a key strategic area. Um, and that's being reflected as well in the changing uh, dynamics on the ground in, in key uh, places, whether that's Syria, Iraq, um, and increasingly now with the um, Israel conflict, um, whilst it hasn't impacted the market, I think also with, uh, you know, Iran, it, it as, as Lee mentioned, you know, the, the question is, what is the the motivation to to create a larger 
uh, geopolitical crisis from these actors. And I think that that's um, a point that's also being reflected in terms of the the market management as well from from OPEC. You know, um, we there's been a lot of headlines. I think I, mean, I was a bit surprised to read a lot of headlines about OPEC decision making being influenced by the conflict. And I think that's just not true. Um, I, you know, I think that that's there's, there's certainly a you know one has to separate the oil file from from the from the politics yeah, file. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the so region. many. There's so many layers to, I mean, to the shepherding of 23 countries in OPEC plus that uh, the, the 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 sort of maneuvering of of a, adding another layer of geopolitics uh, in terms of playing the card this way or that way would seem to be, uh, I mean, if indeed a luxury they just don't have, they're they're more concerned about you know, what can you drill out of that field? I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, the different things the minister said, and one has to probably listen to that interview a few times. He noted at uh, one point, he said, uh, oh, yeah, the, the, I think it was talking about Angola or one of the African countries that their cut was, you know, not 1.06. It was 1.061 or something. You know, his their awareness of the minutia of like 10,000 plus or minus barrels seemed to be quite, you know, not informative in the detail, but also indicative of the of the scale of coordinating uh, everybody to be participating. And I think that's the big question I take away from this uh, this week. Yes, the Africans took the headlines from uh, the in the 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 pre uh, the preempt uh, of the why they weren't reaching an agreement that the meeting was delayed because the Africans didn't want to give up their quotas that they weren't producing. But on hearing his interview yesterday, sound to me like it was much more Russia. It was much more about, Russia proving that they are participating in this cut, that they will participate going forward, that their uh, credibility was reviewed and will be continued to be reviewed uh, in order for it to be trusted. I, I didn't. I think that was to me much more enlightening. I think, I think, I think the the seesawing that we talked about earlier between production, crude production, and now. And then obviously we moved to exports and then now it's products as well. So I think that, that you know, inv inviting tanker tracking companies to monitor that and then submit and then and, and then effectively submit some kind of record. I think this just gets a little bit more messy. So I think that that's already being factored in by the market, that there is a challenge around what is it that we are monitoring with regards to Russia. But I think the issue here, which perhaps the market will have their eye closer on is the uh the voluntary um uh, compliance of the 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 players that perhaps um i think the numbers here iraq you know 220 uh uae 160 you know these are the ones that i think will be important but as i mentioned for this week it'll be interesting to see or you know in, in the following weeks also, you know, as Asli knows very well, you know, all of these markets in Asia, they all trade very forward. So, you know, speaking to the players, the equity players who who receive cargoes, whether or not they've been cut or not, these are going to be the clues as to where we see actually real action. And fundamentally, you know, we're not dealing with a crisis here. We're just talking mm -hmm. about why why did the market not react? And I think that, that that's pretty clear. Well, the market is in a weak window and, and certainly uh, the reaction could come over time. I think, as I said earlier, if 100 percent agreement, whenever you get that, you know, you've asked the wrong question. Uh, we'll have to go back to go back to the drawing board. Um, 
the uh, the idea that um, the 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 outcome for next year, I suppose, is 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 uncertain. Like so many aspects of it, as the Fed done is uh you know are we looking at recession is china going to get worse or is it bottomed out i don't think there's ever been an end of a year or the start of a new year with so many substantial questions nearly could either could go in either direction uh and one of them of course the terrible tragedies in palestine they could still uh given what the israeli army is showing and, and continues to show in gaza that cannot be ruled out that uh uh, when you displace two million people, what clearly looks like a clearance strategy, uh, uh, that uh, that that will not spread, and and one cannot uh, de- depend on that either. So, still a lot of unknowns to work out before the end of the year. Uh, enough to chew on over Turkey, but thank you, Ahmed. As always, really great to have your insights. Uh, if I don't see a, a happy holiday, so to speak, Nur Aslan as thank well, you. editor from Crude Oil Argus Media. Thank you so much for your time and insights this morning. And Mehmet, best of luck with your Wi-Fi. Uh, We look forward to getting you back on soon again. All the best, guys.